Welcome to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. As the founder and CEO of Peterson Wealth Services and a former number one ranked jockey, Billy knows what it takes to succeed. In this podcast, Billy and his team will help equine enthusiasts, business owners, and retirees understand the keys to financial freedom. Saddle up and get ready for a ride you won't soon forget on how you can harness your wealth. Hello, sports fans. This is Billy Peterson once again. I am here with a couple of guests that I wanted to introduce to you. I have Nate Reeve of Reeve & Associates. Nate, welcome to the show. Thank you. Excited to be here. We're glad that you could be along. Sean and I are both excited to ask you a lot of questions about your business and what you see in the world as it stands today. So this is Harnessing Your Wealth. And Nate's a guest with us on our show. We're going to ask him a lot of questions. He has been in business world for a long time, most of his life. And we were going to give him a minute to share with our listeners a little bit about his company and what he does. So Nate, please tell us a little bit about yourself, your background, and a background on Reeve & Associates, if you will. Sure. Um, yeah, Reeve & Associates was founded about 78 years ago. Um, I am a third-generation owner, started by my grandpa to my dad, and I eventually bought my dad out about 13 years ago. Um, I started doing engineering, surveying. I started surveying when I was when the four-foot survey rod was taller than me. <laughs> and so I've been doing this for quite some time. I am tall, so that means quite a bit. I've been out there for a long time uh, surveying. Um, when I first looked into going into engineering surveying, it was something that I did not want to do. I was looking at almost doing anything but that just so I did not fall into the, you know, the family business, um, particularly since I did love math mm. in high school, but, uh, got home from a LDS mission and it fit. I tried all kinds of other professions and this just fit my personality, who I am and, uh, been doing it ever since. So it, it's, it's always fun for us to listen to people talk about family owned businesses, because I would say most times that younger generation is wanting to find their own identity, move on, not work for dad. <laughs> and it's interesting to to hear you talk about how you came back to that. It's kind of like moving away from home and finding your way right back there after you go explore the world. So what was it that, that made you kind of want to go your own way and then come back? Was there something that you just uh, kind of triggered in your mind? Um, I think really it's exactly what you said, uh, Billy. It was, I didn't want just to follow in the family business just to do it. It takes a lot of education, uh, a lot of experience to get to that point, and I just didn't want to follow that path just to follow it. Um, I also really love the medical degree in the medical profession, and so that's what I looked heavily into. But it again, it just didn't fit me. I, I love being indoor, outdoors, um, being hands-on, seeing what I can design with my team, seeing it being built, mm. going by and, and seeing the hundreds, if not thousands of projects that we design locally, seeing it constructed. And it, it gives you a lot of sense of satisfaction. 
That's neat to hear. How many people do you guys employ there at Reven Associates now? Um, we have almost 40. 40. And then you have clients all over the country. Is that correct? Yeah, we go all over the Western United States, um, almost doing more projects out of state than we do in state. What type of clients are you helping out, Nate? Um, we we focus on commercial, residential, industrial uh, design projects. So we do everything from really large box tenants. Um, we do probably 4,000 apartment designs a year, townhomes, single family, every commercial made, and again, also industrial. So are you marketing your services out there to the world, or is it mostly by referral at this point? Uh, the majority of it is referrals. We do have a great business de- development department, um, but the, the majority of our clientele is return clientele. Oddly enough, we still have some uh, clients that worked with my grandpa. And <laughs> so they are very old themselves and they are old school. If I was to put a contract in front of them, they would be very insulted. <laughs> it is a handshake. It's a meeting and it's a handshake. You say, this is what I'm going to do and you do it. And uh-huh. they do it. And it works really well. I like that. Yeah, in a lot of ways, you wish we could have more of that in today's society um, with, with legal liabilities and lawsuits, uh, everyone wanting to fight. So in your in your life, Nate, I mean, you obviously taking over the, the family business, but I'm sure you've brought your own flavor to it. What do you do on a daily basis? What is it that you, you do when you go to work? I wish I could say I did more engineering. A lot of it is just more project management, client relations. Um, I do find a lot of satisfaction in that. Um, but yeah, it, it consists of some long days. Um, I often tell individuals if they are interested in starting a business, that's great. But just know that the business owns you. You do not necessarily own the business. Mm. And if you can go into that mentality correctly and, and uh, really love what you do, yes, you can be successful at it. Nice. I, I hear you. What about in today's world as a business owner, what are some of the biggest obstacles or, or challenges you're seeing? Um, a lot of that is, is jurisdictional based. A lot of jurisdictions are pro growth and some of them are not. So when we have clients that want to do a projects in certain jurisdictions, um, the more government is involved, the dramatically more the harder it is for a project to get approved and built or even started. Hmm. And so the more levels of government is involved in a jurisdiction, if we have to deal with Army Corps of Engineers or dealing with a DOT or dealing with a county, a city, it's just the harder, the higher you go up in government, the harder and slower it is. So not to pick on any states, but how's California to work in? California is a very difficult jurisdiction. We have probably 15 or so projects currently in California, and it is a very slow, uh, difficult jurisdiction. I can imagine. And it may have something to do with the number of people that are exiting the state. 
I, I would agree. I personally, I have family members that do live in California and uh, I would much rather live in Utah. <laughs> yeah. well, we agree. We're, we're, we're pretty biased, I guess, but we like it here in light of that. And this is where I want to go in. I think some of our listeners would have interest in your thoughts and perspective on this, but economically, you guys are kind of at the forefront. When, when we look at your business and whether it's growing, whether revenues are increasing and projects are are picking up or slowing down, has a lot of view or or impact, if you will, on what is going to be happening down the pike with the economy. I think it's a leading indicator to determine if people are out there wanting to build something or if they're pulling on the reins and maybe deciding to hold back a little bit, being cautious about what's coming. So give us some some light on that topic as far as your your business is accelerating or slowing down or just holding its own. Um, so so we are accelerating and we are very diversified in the markets. I think of an individual uh, in the design architectural engineering world if they're very pigeonholed into one specific use that could be detrimental as we go through those economic cycles. But, you know, for example, when we saw the interest rates dramatically climb at the end of last year, we had many individuals that put projects on hold. Um, some of those individuals probably should not have been in the market to begin with. They probably did not. They probably weren't real economically sound themselves. Um, we did see a lot of the big public builders that we work with, nationwide public builders, put some brakes on some projects as they tried to, you know, figure out internally what this new interest rate was going to do. But that only put, you know, a, a stall on maybe 20 or 30 projects for a few months. Since then, they've adjusted, they've figured it out. And since then, it's, it's going crazy and strong. And, and Billy, you are correct. In our world, we do see sort of the forefront of the economic ups and downs. When we've had some big corrections, um, I have a handful of individuals that will constantly call me and say, how are you doing? Are you busy? What's going on? Because yes, as we see economic ups and downs, and we see big downs, we are directly affected first. Mm. Yeah, you're at the forefront of that. And it's kind of like uh, housing starts. It's one of the economic indicators that we watch, the data that comes out regularly from our government. Now, sometimes we question some of the data that's being supplied, you know, even on the reports on inflation. I think sometimes it gets a little bit more hand-selected in certain pockets. But we're watching it. And, and of course, when you see rates hiked, faster than we've ever had in our history of our country, they are absolutely trying to tame inflation. And this cycles back or harkens back on the 70s when we had two different Fed chairmen trying to do the same thing. One thought had it under control, Burns, and didn't. Then you had Volcker who had to step in and just absolutely knock it in the teeth. And, you know, that sent a lot of people exiting things like this. So the economy had to slow down in order to get inflation tamed. 
we are not there yet in in this effort. So the Fed keeps telling us we're not done yet. This is maybe a short pause, but it's it's only a temporary pause. In economic circles, they're speculating on how many more hikes do we have? When do they pause? When do they actually consider lowering rates? So we're not there in our mind yet. What are you seeing? And are you comfortable with the level of interest rates that people have accepted it as a new normal? Um, I think Utah, um, again, as we work in Utah and, and lots of different states, Utah is sort of a bubble. We do see that uh, Utahns generally are more conservative. They um, are able to budget and save maybe a little bit better than others. But I think, in my opinion, they, we are seeing the interest rates and people have accepted them as maybe the new norm. But it does dramatically affect our big multifamily projects. As these individuals are having to go out and to get very large loans um, from the big players in the nation, yes, that is causing some havoc on on loans to those, you know, three, four thousand unit style projects. Excuse me, we're almost in the home stretch for the episode. But before we cross the finish line, I just want you to know that you can contact Billy and his team at www.petersonws.com or by visiting the show notes. Now, back to harnessing your wealth. Yeah. For those of our listeners out there who are wondering as from a business owner's perspective, because I think many people got in this trap back in the 08 major recession we had, many people were just not solvent in a, and in construction industry, and I'll I'll speak to that one. Very large number of contract subcontractors had, went out of business just because they would they didn't have enough resources to back them up. They had a lot of money on loan. They had equipment, inventory, et cetera, et cetera. And then when things dried up, they didn't have any way to pay it off and no way to support themselves. So, how is your business positioned and are you making any adjustments in light of what you see coming down the pike? Um, this inherently I am very conservative. And so, yes, I do keep very close track of our accounts receivable. I do keep a lot of money in reserve inside the business for the rainy day fund. Um, having, not, I mean, I'm not an old timer, but at the same time, I have been through enough of these ups and downs in the recession to know you always have to be prepared. I, I don't take it lightly that those 40 uh, team members here at the office, I am supporting them and their families. And so I don't take that lightly. Uh, when, Whenever we hire someone new here at the office, I look as if I can support them throughout their entire career. I'm not someone who wants to hire someone for six months mm. because that's too disruptive on them and their family. And so because of that, we, have, we take it very seriously and we do watch the economy stay diversified and stay on top of accounts receivable. Nice. Nate, what, are you, what would you say to someone that may be thinking about starting a business or taking over a business like, like you have with this third generation, what, what's required of a business owner to, and a business to be successful? 
I think for a business to be successful, we, we live in the land of great opportunity. I think if an individual is willing to work and surround himself with good, honorable, loyal employees, you can succeed. But to stay successful means you have to stay vested in that business. Um, I often see individuals that are trying to diversify and own multiple businesses or have multiple interests going on at the same time, they must just be much better than I am. I can't <laughs> diversify that way. I, I need to stay focused on, on what is in front of me and what makes me successful and what makes my team successful. Um, and by doing so, the business is successful. I like it. Good advice. Nate, as a, as a humble person, you've obviously done very well for yourself and, and taken over the business. You've made your own adjustments to the company. Can you share with us a little bit of what you did to maybe help the business continue to grow? Because, I mean, sometimes people, they, oh, you're just, you know, you're lucky. You took over something that was already there. But I'm sure you you added, you enhanced what was there. So help us understand a little bit what you did. Um, sure. I mean, to give you a little bit of background. Um, when I purchased it from my dad, my dad was having some an internal conflicts with a couple partners. Um, this was during the Great Recession. There, there was a lot of financial issues. I remember going to the bank. I needed to make payroll at the time was about $30,000. Uh, for payroll, and the bank account had $10,000 in it when uh -huh. I purchased it. We set up all of these corporations and these LLCs, but at the end of the day, I'm signing on this personally. And my wife looked at me and said, what are you doing? Why are you doing this? And I just felt confident that we could pull this around. So we, we turned from 12 employees to 40, and again, I think it's a lot of that is is based upon staying focused in it, enjoying it, and being very diversified. Mm. Um, not just staying focused on residential, not just staying focused on commercial, but having great clients, surrounding ourselves with great clients, as well as having a business development department, which is very unheard of in an engineering company. Um, we as engineers, I'm really good at speaking nerd, but a lot of times I'm not real good at speaking business development. And that's where you hire someone that's not an engineer that does speak business development. And we have great individuals that uh, do, do that for us. Would you say that not being afraid of taking risks is another virtue of being a successful business owner? Um, I think certainly taking risks is something that has to happen, but I am a one that is very methodical in my risks. Um, I'm willing to go after any different markets or projects or employee if I can know at the end of the day it's going to be successful. I, I, a million-dollar expenditure, I always tell my team, I'm willing to invest a million dollars into XYZ, but tell me, and show me how am I going to make that successful? Good advice. Very good. 
Nate, you're, you've always been very calm and level-headed as, as we've got to get to know you throughout the years, but is there anything that, that keeps you up at night that, that makes you worried either business world or just, just life in general? Um, one of the things that probably keeps me up at night is, is just the overall well-being and h- how my team is doing. Um, we are such a team-based company that, you know, when they have trials in their own lives, you know, they're having marital troubles, their kids are giving them havoc, they have children that are sick or born with different, you know, handicaps, that makes it hard. They, an employee, a team member brings that to work with them. I, they talk to me and I'm there to help them the best I can. But no matter however you want to try to separate home life and work life, they all flow together. They have to. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that that's what's hard is that, you know, you have production, you want to be efficient, you want to stay everything on schedule, but then real life hits. And so that's probably what keeps me up at night is just my team being there to support them, knowing that life sometimes is really hard and sort of sucks for them personally and individually and just trying to see what I could do to help them be positive, be happy and stay committed and stay with Raven Associates. I like that. sounds like a real family environment that you've got going there. We try. Good. Yeah. One thing that I was going to ask is balance of the work life and family life as as a fellow business owner, I had to learn a lot of hard lessons about allowing things to go, let it, let things go that I couldn't control. I, I found that stress management is as important as business management in a lot of ways because stress can eat you up, really ruin your health if you allow it to. So what do you do to balance your lives with the work life, with your family life and personal enjoyment? Um, I think that is quite difficult. Um, For years and years, we have gone to Lake Powell. And for years, I would always park the houseboat in a location that I could still get cell phone signal. (laughs) <laughs> and it, it came down to some threatenings from my wife that she was going to throw my phone into the lake that yes, you have to find that balance. So now I have got great managers and teams here at work that I have got to rely on and trust so that I can disconnect. Cause if you can't disconnect, Billy, just exactly what you were saying. I was going down a path of, stressful destruction that wasn't great. I, I try to exercise and I try to disconnect. Um, my wife does know that after a bad day, if I come home and open up the garage and I sit in my car for 10 minutes while I'm in the garage, she knows <laughs> that I'm just detoxing so that I don't bring it home with me to my kids. As long as you're not sitting in it with the fumes going and the garage door closed. <laughs> That's contemplated a few times, but not, <laughs> not that bad. Oh, Nate, and you've had a couple of health scares yourself, so that comes home to roost a little bit more. Correct. Yeah. I, I, almost seven years ago, I had a large brain tumor re- removed, and uh, 
it took months, really almost 18 months to get back to normal. And it really taught me, again, the importance of family, the team, and relying upon others because I could not do it. Mm-hmm. And it was a big eye-opener for me that there are so many people that we surround ourselves with that really do care. We honestly, at least with my personality, I just needed to trust them more. And by doing so, it allows me to be better, do better, and even do more. I like it. Um, Nate, you know, the, the name of the podcast is Harnessing Your Wealth. So why don't you share with our listeners, how, how have you been able to harness your wealth throughout the years? Um, I would say it's probably just slow and simple. Um, engineering firms do not make a lot of money. We go into it because we like to do it. But it's by those slow and simple steps of not going out there and think, oh, as a business owner, I should or I deserve this. To me, I look at it as business is one thing and me personally is another. And uh, I don't necessarily deserve anything. I work hard and hopefully someday I can afford that. Um, My own personal opinion is, is you should never buy a toy unless you can pay cash for it. And that has saved my bacon a lot of times (laughs) where I come home after a long day and think, man, I deserve that Polaris razor that I don't have the money for it. Well, I save my money and then I'm able to buy that later. Um, It's just, it's helped me and balanced me and grounded me tremendously. Mm. Yeah, no, I'm sure that, over the years that served you well you're very humble most people if they knew you and knew your situation in life would be in awe because of what you've been able to do and accomplish financially personally professionally so we're grateful for your comments they hold a lot of weight and we appreciate what you've had to say here today and hopefully our listeners will glean some great insight especially those who are thinking about starting a business or maybe running their own So appreciate you being on on the show today, Nate. Yeah, no problem. Thank you for the offer. Thank you for listening to Harnessing Your Wealth with Billy Peterson. Before we declare the race official, please click the follow button so you can be notified when new episodes become available. For more information about today's show, please check out the show notes. Visit our website at www.petersonws.com or give us a call at 801-475-4002. Once again, thank you for listening. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Peterson Wealth Services. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.